Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hey, everybody. Hi, guys. We've got a great show for you guys today. We are talking to one half of Marriage and Martinis. We're talking to Danielle. We can't wait. We have been trying to lock this interview down for quite some time, and we made it happen. So happy 2022, folks. And as always, we have our hashtag swag bag. But up next, take it away, child. The tits and the shits. All righty, tits and shitties. Okay, so I'll start with the shits. Just a few days ago, I had an epic panic attack. Mm. I haven't had an epic panic attack like this since the early aughts. Truly a bad one. What happened? The perfect storm of the CDC calling to check if Luna was in contact with a kid from her school. Kind of like I had made the decision to keep Luna out of school since before the holiday. And some people might have thought that was like overdoing it. But I did the same thing. So, you know, it wasn't me. I know. But then when you have anxiety, of course, you hope your anxiety doesn't come true. But there's also something equally horrifying when your anxiety does come true. And you're like, I'm actually not overreacting this shit is bad. And so I had one of those experiences. I had a really bad panic attack and I was very fragile in front of my kid. Although I remember when we first started this podcast being like, I don't want to have anxiety in front of my kid. Now it's like, YOLO, who cares? She has to get used to it. All right. We're beyond that. She was like, can I get you a cold washcloth? Do you need some privacy? I was like, thanks girl. But my mom has come to help. It was just a perfect storm of a lot of different things. I'm also in perimenopause and I don't know why no one told me about this, but hot flashes uh, feel exactly the same as a panic attack. Oh, really? Almost exactly the same as a panic attack. Huh. I also had some weird stomach virus, so I wasn't feeling very well. It was like a perfect storm. But my tits are, I was like, hey, Carrie, what do you know works to help a panic attack? And what I know is a gratitude practice. So I went online and I found a place that was making care packages for local hospitals with notes from kids. I found a woman that needed casseroles made because she's going through chemo. I listened to this podcast called the Huberman Lab, which is this neuroscientist, and he talked about how we're doing a gratitude practice wrong, how mostly in a gratitude practice, we write down like 10 things we're grateful for, but it's actually a lot more like a loving kindness meditation where you think about the last time you were grateful or you did something for somebody else and they were grateful and you really try to recreate that feeling in your body. You try to like go back to how that feels and then that hits the transmitters in your brain. So I did these like nice deeds and now when I'm feeling overwhelmed, and sad and panic attacky every day. I just like think back how that made me feel to do something of gratitude and to see the reaction. That's so nice. That's my tits and my shits. And just an FYI, my nose job was pushed back. So that was a little bit of the shits, but the tits are my nose job was pushed back. So, you know, I'm very excited. I might go see Snooki with two black eyes and a nose brace. I mean, we'll see. That would tickle me pink if I went to go see her like fully busted up. It's very Jersey Shore. Apropos. Yes. Let's start with my shits. My shits are, I am doing dry January and I'm not like fully doing it. I drank a lot on Friday night. My husband made me one martini and suddenly I was like, keep them coming. That's my problem. Once I start, I always want more than one. Yeah, that's truly the case. But you know, then I was like, I don't think I can drink on Saturday. And Saturday I had one cocktail and I was very good. But the rest of the week, I'm not drinking. Just things are boring. And I think this was my shits last week, but things are still boring. There's nothing 
nothing new on television that's exciting me except for Yellow Jackets. And Yellow Jackets is so violent. It's so good, though. I enjoy it. I love Juliette Lewis. I think Christina Ricci is a dream. She scares me. Yeah, she's terrifying. But you know, our friend Gabby Hoffman is best friends with Christina Ricci. I know. She just scares me a little bit. Well, she's very intense. I mean, anyone who sees Black Snake Moan, it's like, it's a bit too gory for me. It's not a show you can watch with your kid, which means you watch it at night. And at night, I can only handle certain things because then it fucks me up with sleeping. (laughs) Yeah, or like The Office. Something that's just generally like happy, silly, not world-ending stuff. And, you know, I'm anxious. I have not left my house really in two weeks. I don't even go to the grocery store. I literally have everything delivered to me because my kid can't be vaccinated. Let me tell you, if he could be, he would be at this point. Because honestly, like, I would feel okay, like the rest of the 20-somethings who go to bars and are like, well, it's like a flu. That's fine. You know what? If we were vaccinated and I knew that it would actually be like a flu. Or if we didn't have kids. Right, exactly. If we didn't have kids or our children were vaccinated. But because our children aren't vaccinated, it's like, even though I'm boosted and I am good to go, I just can't risk getting it and spreading it to him. And it really is just very scary. I feel like I'm explaining this to everyone else who understands this. Yes. So the tits are, what I have been doing in place of drinking is steaming my face every night. Let me just say, my skin is glowing. It looks really good. It looks really good. Last night I did like a nice mud mask while I was steaming. Mm. Then I rinsed it off, then went back, finished the steam. Like I'm really, my skin is looking great. And you know, if there's nothing else I can do, it's that. And I'm also just organizing the shit out of my house. I'm like clearing things out. I'm catching up on work. You know, when you have like certain work things that are just like weighing on your mind and making your anxiety worse because you know you need to tackle them. Yeah, that's like when I need to clear out 765 emails from my Gmail browser. Exactly. And that (laughs) is what I've been like focusing my energy on and it's helping. If you guys have good television that you recommend, send it my way. Like honestly, things that aren't going to make me hate the world or be scared, nothing to do me, just fun, silly things. Don't waste your time with sending me any Housewives recommendations. I've seen them. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, nothing about space or the end of time. Or jail. Or jail. None of that. Everything else is on the table, really. Yep. (laughs) All right. Montage review of the week. Should I do it this week? Sure. Whatever you want. I'll do LA girl. Just what I needed. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Just the right dust to keep me going. Feel so understood and less lonely over here. Thank you for keeping it really fantastic, duh. (laughs) Well, thank you, HealthNut456. We love you. Thank you. You know what to do. And guys, you know what to do. Go on there and leave us a review, please. A good review. We'll read it on the show. The closer we get to a thousand, which we're not getting any closer, guys. We are not getting any closer. At this rate, Ashley and I are going to be at least 175 by the time we get 1,000 reviews. Think about it like this. Writing a review for our show is the same thing as going to a local business and buying something, except you don't have to spend any money. You are supporting our business simply by writing a review and listening. It's free, and it'll take you like a second. Even if the review is just like, love this show, we'll take it. It's fine. With five stars. Five stars. Go ahead. Do it. Do it. Up next, Marriage and Martinis. 
Today's guest has a popular podcast called Marriage and Martinis, where her and her husband get super real about their relationship, all its ups and downs. Danielle and Adam have been together for over 20 years and have three kids between them. And they also evidently love a cocktail dishing about each other and also asking the hard questions that need to be asked to have a relationship to really survive and prosper through all its seasons. Please welcome Danielle. Thanks, Danielle, for coming. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. We have been stands for a while, so we are super excited and fangirling that you guys are able to come on the show. Oh, thank you. Ashley and I are a lot for people because we're just ourselves without a filter a lot of the time, and that's rare to find that. And you guys in your relationship on the show have been so much like that, which is probably why you guys are so successful. Have you and your husband always been like that, or is that just like a new revelation for the podcast, or how has that been? Well, I think that one of the reasons why I fell in love with Adam when we were younger was he didn't give a shit, just wanted to enjoy life. And he was always so much fun and everything. And when we would go out, I just felt he was different in some way than the rest of my family in that he would be like super inappropriate and say things that my family would never say. And all of these things, I was half humiliated by it and half like, (laughs) I love this. I mean, sometimes he would take it too far. But I think that over the years, what happened was we ourselves were always like that. And we were like that with other people, but only in the positive ways. Like we would be really fun and really funny, go out and we would be the people you wanted to party with and everything. But the other stuff, the stuff that came out in the podcast, we were never honest about before. I mean, that was like really new for us, even with ourselves. I mean, we were never even that honest with ourselves about our relationship. That was really like all at once. You know, we were the fun couple, not the we're going to get in and talk about our problems couple. Mm. So it's kind of a what came first, the chicken or the egg? What came first, the idea to hash out these things on a podcast or the podcast? And then you guys just started kind of hashing things out on there. I say we started the podcast like at rock bottom. So we started the podcast. We were going through a really, really hard time. Adam's dad had been sick for a long time and had recently passed away. He was sort of like, I guess, manifesting all of his grief and stuff in very unhealthy ways. At the time, if you asked me like what was going on with our marriage, I 100% would have been like, it's all Adam's fault. I now, you know, realize like it takes two to tango. Always. It's hard to see that, but always. Yeah. Yeah. And that's taken time and therapy and the podcast and everything. What I didn't know when we started it was that we had not at all hit rock bottom. So it really was happening in real time. And we had made this pact and told everybody how real we were and everything. And, you know, that we reveal everything that if we were going to stick by it, we were going to like tell some pretty serious shit. And that's what wound up happening that we hadn't actually hit rock bottom at all until probably like a year into the podcast. Isn't that so fun when you think you're at the bottom and it's actually not the bottom? Yeah, no, right. (laughs) If by fun, you mean least fun thing in the entire world ever. You mean this is only the sixth level of hell? There's a Mm -hmm. right. (laughs) We're going to get deeper down into this shit. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was a crazy time and lots of things got worse before they got better. As much as I I kind of like half shit talk my man on the show, he has said like if it's going to help another person, I'm willing, you know, as long as it just involves me and not like any other people around me, like my family, I'm really happy to go there. And I understand how hard that must be because I really commend that 
that you guys stuck to it and didn't like pussyfoot around the situation. Thank you. Yeah, no, we definitely did not. (laughs) Where did you guys come from? Like, so what are your backgrounds? Like, what were you doing before you were podcasting? Adam owns, his family has a retail business. It's party supplies. And it is something that his dad started like 30 years ago. And it quickly became really, really successful. And his dad was just this like go-getter, you know, everybody knew him. Everybody thought he was like this genius. It's more of like a party city type, but it's not party city. Mm -hmm. Cool. You know, so his dad really like made a name for himself. And Adam, when he was in high school, he was kind of a fuck up, you know, and he, I guess he kind of always knew he had this business to fall back on. So he did. He just wound up in the business, but it wasn't a passion for him like it was for his dad. And then when his dad got sick, it sort of became like, oh, I'm going to have to take over this business and fill these shoes. And it was really a big deal. Like it was a lot to figure out. Family business weight is no joke. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And I think that's sort of where it went kind of bad was that he was dealing with all this internal stuff and didn't want to say to anybody like, I'm scared shitless. Yeah. Like have to take over this business. But, you know, he wasn't voicing that. I don't even know if he knew at the time that that was what he was really so scared about. But I was a stay-at-home mom. I was an English teacher for like five seconds before we had kids. And then I decided we were going to get married young. I decided we were going to have kids young. I made all the decisions for us, which was probably a huge red flag that Adam should have seen. Not a good way to be, I now know. And then I decided that I was going to be a stay-at-home mom without really consulting Adam and being like, are you cool with this? Like that you're going to be the only breadwinner for a while? And I'm just going to be home with the kids, raising the kids, which is obviously an awesome role. And I think stay-at-home mom. And a huge job. Yeah. It's awesome and terrible for all the reasons that make things right. beautiful yeah. and terrible at the same. You don't make a decision about your entire career without it being sort of a, let's talk this through and see how it's going to work. And right. how are we going to budget for this? And we did none of that. You sound like my kind of people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was awesome for a while, let me tell you, because we were not budgeting. We were just spending whatever the fuck we wanted to spend. And we were not worrying about the future. And we were buying gorgeous houses and gorgeous jewelry and gorgeous this until shit hit the fucking fan. And we dug a hole for ourselves that was so deep. Were finances really kind of the catalyst to discovering you had issues in the relationship, fixing the issues in the relationship? Because I feel like money is such a huge issue in every relationship. It's rare to find a marriage, a partner that money isn't an issue. Was that kind of like your biggest catalyst for you guys? Right. I think that was the underlying issue that I didn't even know was an issue. Yeah. So I think that Adam had all this resentment for all those years that I stayed home and was just like expecting that he was going to keep us in the lifestyle to which we were accustomed and everything. And I feel triggered already. Just so you know, keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it was hard because he he was definitely had turned into a really big jerk and he was doing things and lying about things. But when you go deeper, it was also me. A lot of what was happening was, I think the root of it was he was like, I don't know how to 
to fix this being, I don't know how to fix what a terrible situation we've caused for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who I was expecting to fix it. Yeah. You know, like I wasn't like, all right, let's sit down and budget together and let's figure it out. And I just kind of ignored it. It was not going to go away. It was only going to get worse. Then the podcast kind of came along and saved everything, like for real. And what do you think it was about the podcast that really did that for you guys? Was it the having to face it? How did you navigate that? Were you going through therapy at the same time? We were going through therapy. Adam, it took him a really long time. They say that it takes someone an average of six years after you tell them to start therapy to start therapy. Yeah. Once again, triggered. (laughs) Yeah. For Adam, it was like 18 years. I mean, I guess kept telling him and telling him and and he wouldn't and he wouldn't until finally a last resort kind of, I think I need to do this. Adam and I have always had this like deep connection, even through all our shit, just like a hardcore, like up till two in the morning still just like laughing or crying or just this amazing banter and back and forth. That's how I feel about my husband. Yeah, right. And so when we were going through everything, you know, there was just something in me that was like, we need to be sharing this with the world because I don't think there's anything else out there. There's self-help, there's religious, there's we went through it. Here's what we did. Here's how to get yourselves out. But there's no one really like, we are fucking in it. We're in the shit ditch. Yeah. Yeah. So I looked at Adam and said, let's start a podcast. And he said, okay, which was like the weirdest thing. Like, why would you say, okay, why would you do that? (laughs) Now we have to start a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So that was kind of the backstory. That's so brave of you guys. I mean, truly, it is so impressive. Thank you. No, yeah, there's definitely been plenty of times where people will say like, oh, we love it that it's so real. But then when you're actually fighting, like how many times, you know, if someone took a video camera to you or a recording to you and your partner when you were fighting and then like you played it back, you'd probably be like, holy fuck, like, yeah, that's how I act. Yeah. You know, and that was a little bit. And then we'd get to the end of a recording and every time I'd be like, you can't release that. (laughs) We can't put that out there. And Adam would be like, oh, we're releasing it. And we would release it. 90% of the time people would be freaking awesome and be like, oh my God, thank you for releasing that. And 10% of the time people would be like, that was a lot. (laughs) Get a divorce. Yeah. You guys obviously shouldn't be married. Put yourselves on online dating apps right now and start over. My partner and I had issues before we had kids. And then having a kid has amplified the issues. Everything is like at the most important all the time when you have a kid. What is the hardest thing that you've had to go through and how did you get through it? Mm. I think the hardest thing that we've had to do is, first of all, we've moved like six times. So I say it's like, you know, those like Russian dolls where you like open one and yeah. a smaller one out and then you open. That's like our houses. Yeah. So we've moved like a whole ton of times. And I think that when we bought a house that was way too expensive, like we just couldn't afford it. And Adam was like obsessed with moving there and he would like run the numbers and make spreadsheets. And then we moved there and, you know, like we got in there and he was sort of like, "Mm, this was a mistake. Takes too much work to keep that bitch. Yeah. Oh my God. Seven fucking bathrooms, okay? Oh my God. Seven fucking bathrooms. Did you have a a pooping exclusive bathroom? This is the question I always ask people who have a lot of bathrooms. We had his and her pooping. We had his and her stalls in our bathroom. (gasps) I love that. Yeah. Wow. Now we don't even have a separate stall in our bathroom. It's just a go. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever's happening, you're in it. We basically then had to move to a smaller house and move to a smaller. And I think that the hardest thing was 
having to pick up and say to people like, we fucked up. We could have been like, you know, we didn't like the property or we decided we want to be in this neighborhood instead and make all of those excuses and people were going to turn around and be like, really? Right. You don't move to a house that's like, you know, 3,000 square feet smaller because you don't like the, right. you know, like, let's be real here. And so think like having to pick up our shit. You know, if we don't do this, we're going to sink. So this last time we moved during the pandemic into a smaller house. And like we had to say to our kids, it was a lot of stuff that we were trying to come back from, number one. And also like looking at the road ahead, shit, we got three kids who one of them might go to college. (laughs) You just don't know or they're going to want to do stuff that we're going to have to pay for or go to Australia or who the hell knows what they're going to want to do. Yeah. And so we were like, we just tell them we have to move. And in the middle of a pandemic, when home was literally the only safe space. I mean, in the literal sense. I'm so glad we moved now. I mean, I really am saying that like it's not bullshit. Like I really do love this house and I do think this is so much better for us and I don't clean bathrooms to begin with and I don't like, I'm not good (laughs) at that kind of thing. So it just feels better all around. So one of the things that my husband and I genuinely have always loved is playing games. And I don't mean that in a sexual way, but like we love a game night with our friends. So you guys created this amazing game called Date Night Question, which I'm going to buy. Can you tell us some of the questions that are in the game? And what are some of the pearls of wisdom you have for us folks that haven't been together for two decades like you guys have? Because that's a long time. What's an ebook? What we did was we took like our most popular topics for the episode. So basically what people would say, because if you listen to our episodes now, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the beginning, it is literally night and day. We actually are like healthy communicators now. Good for you guys. That's great. You're giving me hope. No one wants to listen to a podcast with healthy communicators. Adam's (laughs) always like, don't sell it like that. Like, (laughs) Listen, we have a lot of work to still do, but we've come so far and people do say like, how did you do that? And it literally is that we learned how to to ask each other stuff without being accusatory and throwing each other under the bus. And people would always say like, can you send us the questions that you asked each other in that episode? Like, I want to do that with my partner. I want to ask them those questions. We were like, okay. So we made this date night question ebook and it has like 12 topics. I mean, it literally is everything from fun and games, you know, like there's a section with, you know, would you rather and never have I ever and everything like that all the way to like, heavy shit like the mental load but not in a heavy shit kind of way. Yeah. First of all, there's like two sections. There's a libido section and a kinks and fetishes for beginners section. One of the things is like a list of yes, no, maybe. Would you ever want to try that in the bedroom? And you each fill out the list separately. And then you kind of like match up your lists and are like, oh my God, I've been wanting to try that for 20 years too. And I never knew and I never wanted to talk to you about it. So that's kind of a big one. And we get like a ton of feedback on that. Like really, good like I haven't had an orgasm for my husband ever and I had one last night after doing the yes no maybe checklist and all of that. Well that's nice. Yeah but I think like the topic that has gotten the most feedback is we call it stuff I want you to know and it's basically like what do you want me to know? What kind of stuff do you wish that I knew about your job about your friendships about your body about like anything at all and people are like I've been a teacher for 15 years and my spouse has 
never asked about what I teach. Wow. I'm like tearing up a little bit. <laughs> right. Isn't that crazy that like the person we're supposed to be the absolute closest to? Yeah. So as much as like there are these intimate things that are really awesome, we still at, you know, 43 and 44 are like, there's intimate stuff that I want to do that we have not. Yeah. What is the hardest aspect you think of parenting? God, there's so many things. I think we're really good at it, but I think it's really hard is unconditional acceptance, not unconditional love, unconditional acceptance, because I do think that it's different than unconditional love. Unconditional love is like, yes, I will love my child no matter what. Unconditional acceptance is harder because sometimes you have to back away and be like, you know, as a mom, sometimes I say to myself, oh my God, if they take that path, their life is going to be harder or they're going to get made fun of or they're going to be bullied. And so um, I have at times in the past been like, you can't do that or you can't, not because I'm ashamed or embarrassed of them, but as like, a, oh my God, I just for their well-being, for their safety, for how the world is going to treat them. Yeah. You know? It's like, it's not just about acceptance. It's about unconditional allowing them to be their own person in their own way. Exactly. And no matter what you think about that because there are certain things that it could go as far as like what they wear. Sometimes they'll go out and I'll be like, oh God, are they going to leave the house like that? You know, and... (laughs) And I have to, you know, and Adam will look at me like, what? The, they're fine. Like, they're not wearing a shirt that says anything bad or, you know, mean or whatever. Like, it's just a bad color choice or something. Yeah, when I was in seventh grade, the girls in class would wear shirts that said, like, porn star. And I just remember being like, even I know this is not a good idea right, in seventh right. grade, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is what's in style and sold at Hot Topic, but perhaps not. Right. It's really hard. Well, like, to. having your kids make their own possible mistakes and try. Yeah. When you could supersede in your idea of it, it's like they have to go through their own things at some point and you just have to be there to support them and love them. Right. And accept them, even though you knew there maybe is like a shortcut to this, they still have to figure it out on their own. Right. Definitely. And that's hard sometimes right now with like a lot of the things, you know, I started like shaving at the age of 10 or whatever. And now like a lot of girls are like, fuck that. I'm, you know, I want to be free. And there's part of me that's like, oh God, to unlearn that whole, it's not the only way to be. And if you want to fucking not shave, then don't fucking like, I want to be in that mindset so badly. But sometimes it takes some, okay, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything about who they are. That's my stuff, not your stuff. Right. So I have to like, totally. just like kind of, yeah. Right. It's really hard. But I want to be the mom who's, oh my God, you know, I love your armpit hair and I love your, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? I think it's so great that you're like, fuck the patriarchy. Yes. You know, but like at the same time, I want to be like, but people are going to be mean. Yeah. So that's the hard part that I want to be both. I want to protect them, but I want to be like, yes, I love that about you. Do all the things that feel good to you. Right. So I think that's the hardest part. Mm. Yeah, that was a very good answer. We're the queen of short answers long, please. (laughs) Right. You talk very openly about your mental health, and that's something that's very important to both Carrie and I. We talk about it a lot. We talk about taking the stigma out of mental health, and it's the only way to help support each other. So what are some things that you have done in the past and in the present that help you support your own mental health? Well, for me, I mean, it always goes back to the whole reason my mental health really, really took a turn for the worse. And I have OCD. I have horror 
horrible, debilitating obsessive compulsive disorder, like diagnosed. And what happened was when I was 26 and was trying to have a baby, my OBGYN said to me, all right, time to go off your Zoloft, time to get off your meds. Currently on the Zoloft, thank you. Oh no. Trying to be the good mom before I'm even a mom. I'm like, okay, I'll do whatever it takes. And in the meantime, I didn't know any different and I went off and I spiraled and everything. And so I think now for my mental health, I know I will be on medication for the rest of my life. Telling myself the truth, you know, hopefully my kids will be around living with me as all children should until the day you die. Especially the boys. Remind me to take my medication and no, but you know. But that'll just be like a microchip in there. It'll be fine. Right, right. (laughs) That just like sends your brain waves and it's like happiness. Yeah, happiness. Yeah, exactly. Calm. It's like a Black Mirror episode. Exactly. Something's going to go wrong there. Sidebar, did you see that TikTok of the girl who had this, she's like sits under this thing. It almost looks like an old fashioned hair dryer, like curl setter. And it basically takes a map of your brain and all the like synapses and neurons and all that other shit. And it targets your different it it changes it yeah it targets the depression ones so like they'll test them out so all of a sudden your hand will work you know flick because they're testing to see what controls what too much and when they find the one that controls you know depression they kind of like zap that and work on that I think it's pretty fucking cool but it's also terrifying because like the last thing I want is for them to get the the wrong thing or like you can't walk again oh yeah that too (laughs) Something that I've come to terms with is part of the things that make me riddled, whatever you want to call that, like with mental stuff, are also the things that make me amazing. So that's like, for me, the the tricky thing. I've been on meds most of my life, but the tricky thing about being on meds or the right kind of meds or the right dosage of meds or not on meds is that I've come to terms with this. I don't want to be free of my mental stuff. I just want to be able to function without as much effort as it took for me to function to be like a real person living in society. In a healthy way. Yeah. yeah. But I still want to have some of that sensitivity or that neurodivergency or whatever you call it that makes me me. I don't want to be zapped fully. I don't want to be. Right. I don't want to be like everybody else. I want to I want to feel things deeply and I want to be weird about shit, you know, but I just want. That's why it took me so long to go on to meds because I was so scared that if I started taking meds, it would completely kind of change this beautiful ability that I have to feel all feelings. Even though there's a lot of feelings that I don't want to feel, the fact that I can feel all of them is a beautiful quality. It makes me vulnerable. It makes me open. It makes me honest. It makes me authentic. Those things are part of who I am. And I was just so scared that that would affect me. But I'm happy to report Lexapro 5 milligrams is the dose for me. You yeah, know? yeah, we're good. I just don't like want to wash my hands to the point where they're cracking and bleeding all the time. Right, exactly. In there. It allows me to see things from a completely different angle that I know that makes me unique. I just don't want to be debilitated by it. I don't want to like not be able to leave my house, which has been the case sometimes, you know? Well, that's what's so interesting about like with quarantine and everything. There was part of me that was like, I've done this before. I have quarantined before. I have self-quarantined and not left my room for months at a time, you know? So there was part of me that was like, 
for a lesser reason than this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and also, I think for so many people who had OCD, this is like, yeah, we've been preparing this for our whole lives. Right. <laughs> like, well, I say to myself, you know, one thing that I am so grateful for is that my OCD was not bad during that because number one, it could have triggered it immensely. Oof. And number two, to have the hand washing ritual during a pandemic would literally, I mean, it could be beyond, yeah. I've had that before. And it is, yeah. it is real. It is real. You leave the sink, you touch one thing and you're like, I got to wash again. Yeah. My sister who has, we have different OCD things. My sister who's specifically a hand washer, but both of us, we used to joke that like we've been preparing for this pandemic our whole entire lives. Yeah. And we're so thankful that other people are witnessing what we've known the entire right. time. <laughs> we feel like high and mighty, like us and uh, uh, what's his name? Howie Mandel. Howie Mandel. And Howard Stern. Howard Stern is like still quarantining. He's not done. This is the reality we've been living forever. We're glad you guys finally caught up. Okay, so we ask all of our guests this. If there is one thing that you could outsource if you have the means to do so, because we understand that people can't always do that, that helps keep the marriage and the household and your sanity running smoothly, what would it be? I mean, like hire. Yeah. Like if you have the means to do so. Oh, God. There's so many things. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so many. A, a cook. A chef. Mm. Mm, that's a good one. I fucking hate deciding what is for dinner. I don't know why the fuck I have to be the one to decide what is for dinner. I think three meals a day is drastic. Oh God, it's so much. <laughs> I don't know who came up with that, but it is really just, fuck that. I mean, honestly, my 13-year-old son will come down in the morning like, what's for breakfast? I'm like, why are you fucking asking me? <laughs> There's cereal in the cupboard. <laughs> Go fucking help yourself, sir. Right. Oh my God. I remember when we went on a cruise one time when my my son was like three years old. If you've been on a cruise, they give you like a butler. Yeah. You yes. know, who like will bring you, you just literally pick up the phone. And for the next year after we got home from the cruise, my son used to pick up the phone and I have chocolate milk, please. <laughs> <laughs> he did not. I'm like, no one is bringing me fucking chocolate milk. <laughs> Poor kid. That trip just. <laughs> That's so funny. It was such a tease for him. Fucked him up, man. Yeah. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> plug yourself, plug the podcast, tell everyone where they can find you because I think they'll want to after listening to this if they don't already. Yeah, we're Marriage and Martinis. Anywhere you can download your podcasts, you'll find us. Instagram is really like our place on social media. We really love it. We have a good time over there, especially in our stories. You're like the meme queen. Oh, well, uh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. My mom is still trying to figure out like, what do you do? <laughs> what What is this mean? That's all right. Her and my entire family. Yeah, like uh, not my parents, but everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, and the date night question ebook, which has been fantastic, and it has been just such an amazing thing. If you go to marriageandmartinis.com/dnq, you can download the ebook and bring it tonight to dinner or in your living room or wherever. And I love that. Yeah, it's really fun. We have like been so looking forward to speaking yep. to you. Oh, thank you guys. It was great. Thank you for everything that you're doing just to make it okay. Okay to talk about the things yep, that are not absolutely. okay. Oh, thank you guys. You too. Same. Hashtag swag bag. All right, guys. Hashtag swag bag. These are obsessions, as you know. We don't really talk about stuff unless we love it. Okay. I have wanted a rag and bone leather jacket for so long. You heard the story earlier today when I told it to you, Ashley. Yes, but I, I want to hear it again. So I have had two real leather jackets in my time, and I've had plenty of like good fake vegan leather jackets. None of them currently fit me, even the ones that were big before. And I've stopped. I, we talked about some in the other episode. I'm just going to dress for the body I have now. I'm not going to keep hoping 
thinking that I'm going to have a different body and I'm going to fit into stuff. It's far too depressing. Sell that shit. So I sold all that shit on Poshmark, uh, did okay, and had about $100 either to get a portion of that back in the cash or to spend it. And I had tried on a bunch of rag and bone jackets, figured out that my size was very different than what I thought, and decided to buy one on Poshmark or bid or whatever you want to call it on Poshmark. And because I had that credit from selling my stuff, it was completely reasonable. And now I have a badass, delicious, gorgeous black leather biker jacket. Look at that. You took the step and you got something you love. Yeah. And I know from the past of all the other leather jackets I have, it is a non-negotiable in my wardrobe. I wear it all the time. I dress it up. I dress it down. I'm a leather jacket kind of girl. Amen, girl. I can wear it with a cocktail dress. I can wear it with a rocker tee. I can wear it with a big sweater. Like it's so versatile. It's very me. It's very much a staple in your wardrobe and mine as well. Yeah. And so not to make it about me, but I did. Price per wear, I could have honestly bought it full price. But why do that when I can get it on Poshmark? Especially because it's kind of nice when a leather jacket is just a tiny bit broken in. Yeah. It's like really nice. So I'm super excited about my rag and bone leather jacket. I'm excited to see you in it. Yes. It smells so good. It smells like wealth. (laughs) I love the smell of a leather jacket. Like a good one. Because some of the cheap ones smell nasty, but a good leather jacket. No, those are like polyurethane. It smells like a sexy man buying you a cocktail in a crowded bar. Oh God, that whole, that whole experience you just. With like, it's kind of rainy. So you go inside and then there's like. Well, we shouldn't be wearing leather in the rain. We all know that. I know, but but that's why we went inside to the bar. uh, We're just waiting for the rain to finish. I just miss a date night at a bar with a nice cocktail. God, I miss that. And then we're going to go on a walk, but good thing I bought a big, chunky, boucle scarf, like Lenny Kravitz style scarf that I can put around this. No, you lost me at the big scarf. Oh. But I had such a visceral reaction I to know. all that. Okay, so she's high. I'm, I'm drinking a Lambrusco starter, and then I'm <laughs> moving on to like a cocktail cocktail. Maybe some oh, smoky. See, yeah, I'm drinking something in a coupe for sure. Guys, I just had like a little orgasm. Uh, yeah, it's like a lady boner. One day, Oof. one day, friend, we'll be able to live our lives like the rest of the world who just don't give a shit. Carrie went high. I'm going to go low this week. <laughs> Mine is, so I've probably talked about this before. In the winter, my legs get so, so itchy. I can lotion them with whatever during the day. At the end of the night, usually after you've changed your clothes and you like start a little itch and then the itch continues till my leg is bleeding mm-hmm. every winter. And it is- That's what I take a Benadryl and call it a day, bitch. I, oh no, because it's just like eczema. It's like, it's just really, really, really dry skin. And I remember my grandmother would slather her body in lotion and as a kid, you know when you're a kid and your skin is all supple, you don't understand why anyone uses lotion? Now I get it. I have tried so many drugstore lotions. I refuse to spend like $30 on a bottle of body lotion. That is ridiculous. I finally found something that is working. It is the Nivea Essentially Enriched Body Lotion with Almond Oil. They claim it lasts for 48 hours. I'm not going to disagree with that. I mean, it at least lasts me until the next day when I take a shower. But this stuff is really incredible. And it feels like you're putting, it's a cream with an oil in it and it totally works. So if you are like me, I think the two pack is like $12.99 or something. If you are like me and you just get like so itchy in the winter, this stuff works and it is affordable. It is worth it. It is linked in our show notes to Amazon. So, 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 so good. All right, guys. Well, here we have it again. We've done it again. Done it again. 101 and done. We love you. Bye. Bye. 
Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Herring-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at Mama Drama Band or mamadramaband.com. 